Welcome to Good Guy Grant's podcast. It's mad decent. This is the Good Guy Grant podcast. I'm your host, Grant. Coming up on today's show, I want to talk Major League Baseball, expanding the netting. I also want to talk MLB expansion teams possibly in the future, which destinations they're looking at. We'll do the Who the Fuck Is That Guy segment, focus on the Denver Nuggets. We'll see how the MLB standings are going, and I'll do a quick mock draft for the top 10 teams, who I believe is actually going to go this Thursday. I want to first start off talking Major League Baseball. This was a hot topic back in 2019, and the reason it was a hot topic is because multiple foul balls actually hit fans in the stands. One person actually died from it. So back in 2019, Major League Baseball talked about expanding the netting, and in my opinion, they should have. It should go all the way down the line from the catcher's mound all the way down to probably where the left fielder stands. The reason for that is for Major League Baseball to do this, it protects the fans for one. And number two, the stadium and the people that own the clubs cannot be sued if a Major League fan gets hit with a baseball while in the stands. This was a big topic back in 2019. Uh, It hasn't been talked about much since then, to be honest with you. I know Rob Manfred, the commissioner of Major League Baseball, wanted every single team, and he said every single team needs to expand their netting. Did they do that? Absolutely not. About half a dozen teams decided to expand their netting. The rest of them decided to not do it. The reason I think it should happen actually right now, with limited number of attendance in baseball ballparks right now due to COVID, except for in states like uh, Texas and Florida, this is a perfect opportunity to test out the expanding netting in a baseball. There's not that many fans in the stands. You have plenty of time to now ex- extend the netting due to that and then try it out and see what you think. Now, the, I think it's kind of interesting that you haven't heard much about this since 2019. Um, there was a proposal on there that said about 22 teams were going to expand the netting. That never happened. I know for a fact, uh, me being a Reds fan and following them closely, they did, they were one of the teams that did not extend the netting as far as they should. In my opinion, the biggest issue baseball is facing right now, besides the fact that their ratings are down and the game itself is, needs to be sped up, is the fact that they're putting fans at harm's way by not expanding the netting. And they need to fix that uh, right away. There's no reason why this should not have been fixed in the offseason. There's no reason why these owners have to be so damn cheap to where they don't want to pay to have the netting expanded. Once baseball and has their fans back in the grounds in terms of close to a full capacity, even if it's 50 to 75%, there's going to be fans on that first baseline, third baseline, and there's going to be foul balls hit right there, and it could possibly kill a fan like it did before. You don't want to see that. Major League Baseball can do the simple thing and just expand the netting. Will they do that? Probably not. Rob Manfred is probably one of the worst commissioners in sports. He doesn't do enough. The players don't respect him as a commissioner. He doesn't enforce enough on Major League Baseball teams. I think it's absurd. All Rob Manfred is focused on, and this will be the second topic, he's focused on on expansion of Major League Baseball, basically adding an expansion team to Major League Baseball. He came out with a figure the other day that said if Major League Baseball wants to have an expansion team, the fee to be able to generate a new baseball team in Major League Baseball is going to be $2.2 billion. What's interesting about what he was talking about, and the article is actually on uh, Sports Illustrated, Rob Manfred said there will not be an expansion team in Major League Baseball until the Oakland Athletics and the Tampa Bay Rays get their new stadium. 
Now, the Athletics have already been trying to work with the city of Oakland to try to get a new stadium. Honestly, they should, even though their fan base is kind of hit or miss. They don't really do anything until the end of the year in terms of fan attendance. But the Oakland Athletics have been consistently good year after year after year, and they don't get the support they need from the city of Oakland. You had the Raiders leave there because they didn't have the support of the fans. And now the o Oakland Athletics, who actually attendance-wise are probably the ten were top 10 worst attendance in Major League Baseball year after year after year. That's a fact. If you're the Oakland Athletics and you're the owner of them, you're already a cheap owner as it is. If you've seen the, the, the Moneyball movie, you know for a fact that's based on a true story. What the scouting department does in Oakland, they do very well. They find talent, they find them young, and then whenever that talent is basically at a time to where their skills diminish, the Oakland Athletics trade them away, and it's smart. They do that year after year after year. Both these teams actually do that. Tampa Bay Rays do the same exact thing. They draft really well. They bring up their young players. They develop them really well. Then once they get to the peak to where they have to pay them a ton of money, they trade them off because they don't want to do it. If I am the owner of the Tampa Bay Rays and the Oakland Athletics, I move that team as soon as you can. I realize you have to play a buyout to the city, things like that, but the city of Oakland has shown they do not support sports teams for one. That's why the Raiders left. The Oakland Athletics, every time you watch a game, there's probably, even in f when they're allowed to have full attendance, they basically fill up about a quarter of the, the arena or the stadium. That's horrible. Tampa Bay Rays, who made it to the World Series last year, did not sell out many games last year. That's sad, regardless of COVID or not. I, they wouldn't have done it. Tampa, as a city... Supports the Buccaneers, but they don't support the Rays, and they've never supported the Rays ever since they even came into existence. What's interesting is a stat I saw the other day. So, in order for the Colorado Rockies and the, it was I guess the Miami Marlins back in the day, um, they paid ninety-five million each to join Major League Baseball in nineteen ninety-three. Then Arizona, which is the Diamondbacks, and the Tampa Bay Rays paid $130 million to join Major League Baseball in 1998. So it's about a $40 million difference in five years. So like I said, in 93, when the Rockies and Miami joined, they only had to pay $95 million to join Major League Baseball. Arizona Diamondbacks and Tampa Bay Rays, they were the Devil Rays back in the day, paid $130 million to join Major League Baseball in 1998. Now the commissioner is asking if you want to have a new franchise in Major League Baseball, it would cost $2.2 billion to be able to do that. That's probably to have a stadium get done, pay the fees to be able to join Major League Baseball as a whole. But the, the cities are talking about, as possible, new expansion teams. Charlotte, North Carolina. Las Vegas. Montreal, who already lost the Expo, so I don't understand that. Nashville. Portland and Vancouver. I can see Portland actually being a very good destination. They support the Trailblazers. They support the Portland Timbers. They're very big or Oregon Duck fans out there for the University of Oregon. I can see them. Vancouver, that's a that's a hockey city. You know, a lot of people in there they support hockey. I don't know how well baseball will do. Canada had a team back in the day, the Montreal Expos, and the Expos left. And the reason for that was because the owner was greedy. And also the fans just didn't support them enough. And they ended up becoming the Washington Nationals. Nashville. If you would have asked me probably three or four years ago. 
when the Nashville Predators and everything was really hot and things like that, and Nashville was a big city, I would have said yes. I think the appeal to have a team in Nashville's kind of went a little bit farther down since then, so I don't see it as a great destination. I could be wrong. Charlotte, I love that because there's already a minor league team in Charlotte as it is, the Durham Bulls. And then also you already have the Carolina Panthers, the Charlotte Hornets already there. I can see that as a good destination. But if, you, if you're mentioning possible expansion candidates, why wouldn't you just take the Oakland Athletics and the Tampa Bay Rays and move them to one of those cities, to either Charlotte, Vegas, Nashville, Portland, Vancouver, or, uh, yeah. You can take the Oakland Athletics and move them to Vegas. The Raiders already went to Vegas. Why don't you bring the Athletics too? The city of Oakland does not support this team. They don't. If you're Tampa, you can go to you can go to Charlotte. Uh, I know Montreal's been trying to get a team back the last few years. Again, like I said, the fact that they didn't support the, the Montreal Expos before, I don't think they deserve another chance, to be honest with you. I think Charlotte would be a good destination for Tampa. They can be the Charlotte Rays. Probably a cheesy name, I know. And then if Oakland went to uh, Vegas, they'd be the Las Vegas Athletics. Eh, that's okay. I bet you they have sweet colors, though, if you think about it. But Major League Baseball is trying to make up for lost revenue due to lower viewership. The COVID took away a good amount, a chunk of money, especially from the smaller market teams. So Major League Baseball is trying to make up that money by basically saying if anybody wants to create an expansion team, it's going to cost $2.2 billion. That's crazy. Now what's what's also interesting about this is if the Tampa Bay Rays try to leave, they have up until 2028 in Tampa, and then they're going to be splitting their games in 2028 between Tampa and Montreal. That was part of the, the lease that they signed with Tropicana Field in St. Petersburg. I thought that was interesting when I read that. So I don't know if it's baseball's trying to push another team to Montreal by doing that, trying to push the Rays to Montreal. They'd be the Montreal Rays. But if the Montreal couldn't support a team that had Pedro Martinez, Vladimir Guerrero, I think Larry Walker was there now that I think about it. They had some stars when it was the Montreal Expos, and they didn't support him. So why should they get another team? I don't understand that. I think that's absolutely ridiculous and ludicrous. But seeing that the baseball thing about expansion, it's good. Hopefully, um, baseball can get the netting expanded uh, down the line a little bit farther, make it safer for fans in the stands once they go back to full capacity. Will that be this year with full capacity? I doubt it. I highly doubt it. Next year is a possibility. It all just depends on how smart the American people actually want to be and get vaccinated, to be honest with you. And once that does, the COVID cases go down. But, uh, yeah, I thought it was interesting. Nobody's talking about the Major League Baseball netting. I think it's going to take another injury, unfortunately, for somebody to get hit in the stands for Major League Baseball to focus on the netting again. Uh, but that's what's going on in baseball right now. We'll look at the, uh, the leaderboard right now in Major League Baseball, which is interesting as well. So every team that is first in their division has a winning record on the road except for one, and that's the New York Mets. So the Boston Red Sox, they lead the American League East. Their record on the road is 7-1. Kansas City Royals lead the American League Central. Their record on the road is 6-3. The Oakland Athletics, who went on that big 12-game uh, winning streak, have a road record of 7-3. and three. 
Like I said, the Mets, they're 3-6. and six. They haven't played as many games as other teams, though, due to a bunch of games getting canceled. So, for instance, the Oakland Athletics have played 24 games. The Mets have only played 18. The Milwaukee Brewers, who are leading the NL Central. I told you my Reds would falter. They're 11-12, and 12, by the way. The Milwaukee Brewers are 14-9, and nine, but the record on the road is 9-3. and three. They actually play better on the road than they do at home. Their home record is 5-6. and six. The L.A. Dodgers are 15-9. and nine. They're tied with the Giants. Their road record is 8-4. and four. So think about that. Every leader in their division has a better road winning streak than they do at home. That's kind of crazy. It is still early in baseball. Like I said, about 24 games in. Still have a long way to go. Um, we'll shift topics a little bit. We're going to talk. Uh, we're going to do the Who the Fuck Is That Guy segment. We're actually going to focus on the Denver Nuggets, who are 40-21. and 21. They're second in the Northwest Division. I think they got the MVP on their team, and Nikola Jokic, he's just been consistent year in and year out. But the guy I want to focus on is Fatsundo Campazzo. He's actually a rookie. He's a 30-year-old rookie. He's from Argentina. He actually came over from UCAM Mercuria, where he played from 2015 to 2017. Before that, he played for Real Madrid from 2014 to 2020. And then in 2008 to 2014, he actually played for Penarol. Here is his highlights overseas, and it's a long list. I mean, the guy's already 30 years old. He has two EuroLeague championships, 2015-2018. He's a three-time Spanish League champ, 2015-2018-2019. Two-time Spanish Cup winner, four-time Spanish Super Cup winner. He was a Spanish League Finals MVP in 2019. Spanish League's Most Spectacular Player in 2017. Two-time All-Spanish League First Team he was also a two-time All-Spanish second team. He's won numerous cups in Argentina as well, playing for their national team. His, I guess his points per game, things like that, they do a lot a little differently overseas. So in 2020 to 2021, he actually averaged 25 minutes overseas, averaged almost uh, 14 points a game. In 2019 to 2020, he played 23 minutes a game, averaged 15.4 points and 7 assists. He is a point guard. Like I said, his his height, he's uh five foot ten, he wears he weighs about a buck ninety five. He is one of the more experienced players coming from overseas just because he's he's played so many years overseas. Like I say, he's thirty years old. This is not a guy who, you know, straight out of high school or straight out of uh, college, things like that. He's averaging five point three points a game, about three point one assists. He's played in fifty five games this year, averaged about twenty minutes. I remember getting into it with somebody on Twitter. Uh, before the season started about this guy. And the person said, this guy's coming from overseas. And he said the NBA game is a lot easier than the EuroLeague game. I thought that was interesting he said that. Do I believe that? Absolutely not. But when you look at this team overall, the Denver Nuggets, they have a really good record. The big thing with them is they lost Jamal Murray for the season. He busted out his knee. So he is gone. He's not going to play the rest of the year. I think the Aaron Gordon deal has actually worked out a lot better than I thought it would be. They have Aaron Gordon. They have Jokic, who I think is the MVP. They have pieces around them with you know Will Barton, who's a good player. Uh, Campazzo coming off the bench. You got Michael Porter Jr., who I really like. Uh, you got a couple other guys. Monte Morris is a good backup point guard. Austin Rivers on that team. You got Jack Harrison, Jamichael Green, P.J. Dozier. I think the, the big issue with them, 
They can make it out of the first round of the playoffs, I think. But without Jamal Murray, I don't think they have a shot in hell and make it to the finals. If you had Jamal Murray, it'd be a different story because you would have Jamal Murray, Aaron Gordon, and Jokic on your team. That's a solid three. But now that uh, Jamal Murray is out for the year, I think it's going to be tough. But the guy I wanted to focus on, Fasundo Campazzo. He's 30 years old, 5'10", 195 pounds. He's Argentinian, but he played in Euro Europe. He's actually making $3.2 million this year, which is actually pretty good for his first year. But he's already 30 years old. Do I expect him to light it up? No. He's just your traditional backup point guard who's a veteran type of player, even though it's his first year in the in the NBA. But ultimately, he's a good uh, role model for you know the new players that kind of take him under his wing because he's been around the bush a little bit. Uh, he knows what he's doing. He knows how to be a professional. He's been a professional for over 10 years. So... My favorite time of the year for the NFL, outside of uh, you know when the Cowboys game's on, is actually the NFL draft, which actually is this Thursday. I'm not going to go over the f- whole first round. I'll just talk about the top 10, um, who I think is going to go where. I think it, uh, for, of course, Jacksonville, they got the number one overall pick. I think they go Trevor Lawrence, quarterback out of Clemson. Uh, for the Jets, who traded Sam Darnold, he's in Carolina. I think they go Zach Wilson, the quarterback out of BYU. And then as far as the San Francisco 49ers, I think they go, I'm going to say Mac Jones. It's come down to Mac Jones and Trey Lance. I'm going to go Mac Jones. Number four with the Falcons. I keep hearing this name going here, and I don't understand why. You have Julio Jones, who for some reason they put, they're put they going to put on the trade block. You have Calvin Ridley. You have Hayden Hurst. Matt Ryan had a decent year, not great last year. I keep hearing Kyle Pitts is going to go forward to Atlanta, so that's a possibility. I think ultimately they're going to have to look for a quarterback down the road because Matt Ryan's not getting any younger. Uh, number five, which is Cincinnati. I think they got to uh, help Joe Burrow out in terms of offensive line help. I think they go Penny Sewell, offensive tackle from Oregon. You don't want to see Joe Burrow on the ground, again, reaching for his leg and hurting him being out for the year. Number six, Miami. I think they go... I think they'll go Devontae Smith just because he was teammates with Tua Tagovailoa. He was the Heisman Trophy winner out of Alabama last year. Number seven, I think the Lions go with Jamar Chase, the wide receiver at LSU. When you look at the Detroit Lions wide receiving core, Kenny Galladay left as a free agent. They don't really have a lot there, so they got to bring in some kind of wide receiver to be able to help out with Jared Goff. Carolina at number eight. Man, that's tough. You know, they just dealt Teddy Bridgewater. He actually got traded to Denver. And now they got they got uh, Sam Darnold, who I think they're going to let see what he can do. But I think they'll go defense uh, on there. They could go to, like Michael Parsons, linebacker out of Penn State. They could go offensive line as well. Uh, number nine in Denver. Uh, like I said, they just got Teddy Bridgewater. I think that takes them out of any kind of quarterback uh, thinking in terms of top ten. You know, you already have Drew Locke. You got Teddy Bridgewater. He's paying decent money. I think they'll look at a quarterback, um, not in the first round, but probably down late a little bit later. I think they go corner, and then my Cowboys, I hopefully I'm right about the Cowboys pick. They have to go defense, regardless of what you know Jerry Jones wants to do. I know he likes Kyle Pitts, but ultimately I think the Cowboys either go with Patrick Sertain, the corner out of Alabama, or you go J.C. Horn, the corner out of South Carolina. They're both really good fits. I'll just do the top 10. Like I said, I'm not going to do the full 32. 
I think there's going to be probably four quarterbacks drafted in the first round, if not five. I think that's going to be interesting. The first running back probably won't go until after the 20s. There's going to be kind of a, you'll see a run on defensive ends probably in the first round as well. I think Jalen Phillips, Quiddy Pay, Greg Rose. But the thing in the NFL draft this year, because there's players who opted out last year who did not play, or there's players like Trey Lance who played one game due to the pandemic, it's going to be interesting to see if these players who opted out, who sat out last year, when they get to training camp, if they have muscle injuries, you know, whether it's cramping, things like that, they have to stay hydrated. Hopefully they're still in shape. That's something to kind of keep your eye on if you're uh, a fan of any of those teams as well. I uh, want to also look at the last thing I want to talk about. I want to look at NBA standings because uh, with the standings kind of coming down to the wire in terms of who's where and what, right now the the top teams in the East, you have Brooklyn at one, Philadelphia at two, Milwaukee's three, the Knicks are fourth, they're 34-28, and 28, and also on the Knicks. I know Tom Thibodeau, he was the coach of the Bulls. I know the way he's coaching exactly like he did in Chicago. He's riding players with too many minutes, like Julius Randle, R.J. Barrett, and then he's getting production out of guys like Reggie Bullock. He did the same thing with the Bulls. He rode Jimmy Butler. You had Derrick Rose. You have Noah. The two players he actually got paid who were backup point guards, and I think this is going to happen with um, one of the Knicks players as well. When, he was the, when Thibodeau was the coach of the Bulls, Nate Robinson got a decent contract once he left Chicago. So did DJ Augustine. I think the same thing's going to happen to uh, Emmanuel quickly. I think he could get a big contract in the offseason if the Knicks don't keep him. I think that's one of the guys to kind of look at. But he's getting production out of guys. Like I said, Julius Randle's having an all-star year. R.J. Barrett's playing well. Reggie Bullock's getting some decent minutes. Derrick Rose's playing okay backup minutes. But the Knicks are number one in defense as a team. That's crazy to think about that. The Atlanta Hawks come in at number five. I think they got to get Trey Young healthy. Ultimately, that team does not play a lot of defense. You got Boston Celtics. They're at six. Miami's at seven. And then Charlotte at 30 and 31 is actually eighth. But they have one game on against the Pacers, two games on the Wizards. And then my Bulls are four games out of a playoff spot. That's rough. I remember I got into it the other day with a Bulls guy who tried to tell me you know, the, he tried to tell me a few weeks ago when they got uh, Vucevic that the Bulls are a team to make the playoffs now. And I told him, no, you can't. They've been losing the bad teams all year. That's not a new thing. He's like, you just watch. And then when I sent him a message after the Bulls lost the game the other night, he said, we can't win games without Zach Levine, blah, blah, blah. And I, I responded to him. I said, look at Brooklyn. They haven't had a full Kevin Durant, James Harden, or Kyrie Irving all year, and they have a winning record. Get out of here with that. You can't build a team around one player. In the West... You got the Utah Jazz at number one. They got a one-game lead for the top seed in the West over Phoenix. You got the Clippers at three. Denver's at four. The Lakers are at five. You got Dallas, who is basically the Luka Doncic show, and that's it, at six. Portland at seven. Memphis at eight. And they're actually tied with the Spurs, who actually have the same record. You got Golden State at 10th. A lot of people are thinking Steph Curry's going to win the MVP because he's carrying that team. It's also taking a ton of shots. They're two games back of the eight seed. So it's going to be interesting to watch, you know, what the NBA does down the stretch. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode, and I hope you guys have a great day.